Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. Well, good morning. So we are in a series, if you're a guest with us, called Crystal. And we're trying to bring clarity to our faith And we've been in this series, this will be the seventh week uh, already. Uh, So um, we've looked at a lot of things. Our study has brought us to the topic of the church. Uh, We're trying to gain some clarity about what our relationship to the church ought to be. Um, Do I need to be a part of the church? Uh, At what level of involvement should I have in the church? Those kinds of questions. Can I do without it? Now, many people say, um, you know, I really love Jesus, but I'm not too keen on his bride. Uh, I can take Jesus, but I can't really tolerate her. And so I've tried to draw close to Jesus, but in truth, I've distanced myself from his lady, from the church. And that may look a little bit like, uh, you know, this. So you got Jesus and me. And then over here, you got this Jesus and the church. And you think to yourself, you know, uh, I don't know, for those of you that, you know, just, just Jesus and me, no church. You think to yourself, how in the world does Jesus put up with her? You know, how does he put up with her? Well, if you don't mind me pushing back a little bit, how does he put up with you? How does he put up with you? You say, well, you know, over here with Jesus and me, we're fine. Let me just tell you, you ever a hypocrite? You ever make poor decisions? You ever a handful? You ever get self-centered? It's not a good reason to stay away from the church because you're every bit the problem. So what I want to do is I want to give you three reasons over the next three weeks as part of this series, why you cannot disconnect yourself from the local church, from the local body. I'm going to give you just three in this series, three. Uh, Today we'll deal with spirituality. Next week, identity. Both of those come right out of Colossians, the book we're studying, and then purity. I'm going to show you why you can't have either one of those, any of those, without being connected to a local body. Now, I'm going to create a little bit of a theological backdrop for you, and this is just by way of summary in case you haven't been here. We've been studying Colossians, but Ephesians makes this a little simpler picture. I brought it up last week. Let's look at this text here, Ephesians 1. He's talking about the the end of chapter 1. He's talking about the power that, that God brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. 
All right, so let's go ahead and real quickly, let's draw that picture. So Christ died on a cross, rose from the dead, and then he seated him. Okay, he seated him high in the heavenly places. That's the picture. So our picture in Colossians has taught us that Christ was head over creation and something happened in creation and he had to come into creation where he died and then he rose again and now he's seated again in heavenly places, Ephesians tells us, right? That's what he says. Seated him at his right hand. Now he's not finished. He's, how, how high up is he? Is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that's named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Can't get any higher than that. That's the most supreme spot in the universe. Okay, and we've said before, like I say all the time, well, what are you going to do now, Jesus, now that you run everything, that you've risen from the dead? What are you going to do now? God put all things in subjection under his feet. And he gave him as head over all things. Let's stop there for a minute. Let's go back to our picture. Seated here, he is head. That's the throne, by the way. Can you tell that's the throne? He is seated above everything. And here, from here, like like he was ruling here, he is now ruling over everything here. He gave him as head over all things, where? To the church. So if you come back to our picture, you go, okay, Jesus, what are you going to do now? He's sitting here at the right hand of God. Like, what are you ruling? What's your rule look like? What does all this power, dominion, and authority look like? over the church. All this power and authority are ruled through the church. In and through the church. It becomes the locale, literally the headquarters of what God is doing in the world. You see it in a local church. That's it. So, if you have a high Christology, in other words, if you see Jesus as this, in this high of a position, then you have to have a high ecclesiology. If you think high of Jesus, you have to think high of the church because he's connected to it. He's the head of it. He's in charge of it. He rules it. So a high Christology So you can't just say Jesus and me, because if you have a high view of Christ, you've got to have a high view of the church too. And he's head of the church. So now you see two images coming out of the church. So let's, let's, let's redraw our picture here. Coming out of the church, you see two images. One, he's a ruler, and the second, he's the head of it. So that means um, he, he dictates my life, but I'm also organically connected to him. That's the meaning of taking, why, do I, why, do, why am I going to use a body part to show you 
your connection to Christ because you're organically related to him. You can't be related to Christ and not be related to the church. That's the concept. You're organically related to him. So it makes, it means that this image here where we started, this whole Jesus and me concept, can't work. That's, a, that, that, that's not a New Testament category. Just Jesus and me. We've just bypassed the church. You can't do it. Any more than any one of your body parts could say, I'm not connected to the body anymore. This, this category, if you put yourself in this category, there's no, there's no category in the New Testament for a person who's, who's connected to Jesus but isn't connected to the local church. No category. You're in spiritual no man's land if you operate that way. Here's what I want you to see. It's not the way Jesus intends you to relate to him. And doesn't he get to dictate that? Like, who gets to dictate the nature of my spiritual life? Is it me or is it him? Well, he's the one that's got a name above every name and rules above everything. Who are you? So it's not Jesus in me. He, did, he wants me to relate to him this way. Well, that has powerful implications for how we live. Again, I told you that a commentator last week said, this is not a heavenly abstraction, just sort of theoretical. God's head of the church, yeah, I get it, da-da-da-da-da. And there's no real practical implications, no. In this dynamic, there are very different practical implications for my spiritual life in this picture than there are in this picture. I'm going to show them to you right now. This is going to be one of the first reasons why I show you can't be disconnected from the church. Unfortunately, right here in Colossians where we are studying, which I want just to remind you, we didn't look at this today, but we've been going through this hymn in Colossians, and right here in the middle of it, he states... He is head of the body, the church. That's the, the, that's the line we're teasing out over the next three weeks. What does that mean? Well, we need to look at the implications of that for our spiritual life. So let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Now let me just set this up a little bit. So let's imagine you live back in Paul's day and you're attending a local church and it's in the city of Colossae and uh, things are going fine. But then a group of people, this has always happened in the New Testament church. It's always happened. Almost all, so many New Testament books. There's some issue arises in the church and the people get off track a little. In Colossae, there was this sort of elaborate very elaborate, spiritual sort of group that came in and started redirecting people with fancy knowledge and fancy experiences and luring them away from Christ in the church a little to their own sort of private spiritual experience. It looked good and it felt good, and people started getting swayed. And so Paul writes to this church, the one we've been studying, and he says to them, let no one defraud you, keep defrauding you, of your prize. Now let's stop there for just a minute because what's Paul going to basically say? It's basically, because this is an important word. This is one Greek word in 
defrauding you of your prize. And it's only used right here in the New Testament. And it's got sort of a a little bit of an athletic imagery to it because it it assumes you've been training for a prize. It, it, It assumes you've been in a race. You're working towards something. But there's the possibility now that you find out that you might not ever achieve the prize. You might not be able to, in fact, this, this, is, this language is harsh, much harsher than it sounds, because what defrauding means is literally disqualify. It has the idea of somebody coming alongside you and saying, you're not even in the race anymore. You're not in the game, you're not in the arena, you're not on the field, you're not even in the game. There's a judgmental tone to it. You hear Paul saying, don't, don't get caught up in something that isn't the real thing and find out you're not even in the game. Wow, this is a punch. It packs a punch. You certainly don't want to be going through all this effort and it not achieve anything. And so what ha- what. We're going to see what happens. Don't miss the prize. Now, what is it? What is it they're doing? Well, you got to hear it first, and then we'll just sort of explain it. It's it's actually a very tough verse. They're delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking their stand on visions they've seen. They're inflated without cause. So uh, this is sort of sarcastic. It's self-humility, but they're really inflated, and I'll show you how. So what has happened is they've got these people that come in that are claiming they're having these private experiences of seeing visions, hearing things. And of course, if anybody tells you they've seen a special spiritual vision or anything like that, you you think highly of them. So they have this false humility. And they have these private experiences, things they've seen. And they're inflated, and so they feel superior to other people. So basically, the Colossians are getting this in their ear. Hey, come over here with us. Have this private experience. You don't need that, court. You don't need that connection over there. Come over here and have this private experience. You'll see things, hear things. You'll feel better. In fact, if you're over there, in fact, over here is a superior sort of spiritual life. You can have a superior spiritual life, and you sort of look down on the folks over there because they haven't seen what you've seen. They haven't heard what you've heard. That happens in our culture. It doesn't look exactly like this culture. It looks a little bit, this is a little bit more of a sort of a strange Gnosticism in Paul's day, but it's very real in our day, where people separate themselves from the church, have their own sort of private experiences. Now, this group's worshiping angels, too, which Paul's going to say, why would you worship an angel? Jesus is the one above everything. Why would you come in and worship something below him? We went through a phase in our culture where we worshiped angels. We had TV shows and all this stuff. And who doesn't want to worship an angel? They're bright and shiny and pretty and nice. Show up when you need them. Who doesn't want to worship an angel? And if anybody tells you they've seen one, you're like, I haven't gotten to see one. See, you already feel inferior. Keep your visions to yourself. 
By the way, and if you, that, that's true, 2 Corinthians 12. Paul will tell you basically that. Because you get inflated by them and you start to feel superior and you start having these private experiences. Okay? But notice what Paul's about to say. That's really just a fleshly mind. That's, that's, it's really all about you. Really. But notice what Paul says here. Because this is one sentence. Verses 18 and 19 are one long sentence. And look what he says here. Here's what they're really doing. They're not holding fast, say it out loud, to the head. We just saw he's the head of the church. Why wouldn't he say here, because we would all prefer it maybe, or a group of us might prefer that he just say, we're not holding fast to Jesus. Doesn't identify Jesus as Jesus. He identifies him as the head, which means whatever they're doing over here privately, whatever they're doing here privately, they've disconnected themselves from the body. Jesus, Paul is saying, whatever kind of spiritual life you have, it needs to be connected to the head. And if you're connected to the head, then look, you're, in, you're connected to the body too. You cannot be connected to the head and not be connected to the body. That's what, that's what Paul's bringing in. Oh, you're talking about spirituality now. Let me tell you what that looks like. It's got a bigger picture. Connection. That's why he doesn't say Jesus. He's basically saying, if you lose connection to Christ, you've lost connection to the body. And if you lose connection to the body, you've lost connection to Christ. They're one and the same. So Paul is basically saying, you can't define your spiritual life privately. Sorry, it's not a private thing. It's not private. And so for those of us who, who choose to move away from the church, we, we've sort of got a disembodied spirituality, a disembodied Christianity, where it's just sort of me and spiritually with God, but there's no physical, real connection to the body. That would be like you, you being around town without a body. You know what you'd be? Freaky. Ghostly. I left my body at home. You don't do that. That's essentially what's going on here. So your connection, so you view your connection or your dependence on the church as so, sort of a lower stage of faith. Oh, you're still connected to that thing? I got my own thing going on. Me and Jesus, baby. We've got a deal worked out. I don't need that stuff. I don't need what they're doing. I don't need that stuff. That's where a lot of people are. And for them, it feels like, well, if you're part of the church, you're part of a lower stage of faith. Well, let me just say something to you. If you're not holding fast to Christ as the head, he's head of the body. Look at this, the entire body. That means no matter how you define yourself, it has to be corporate. It can't be you alone with God. It's a corporate picture. Paul is going to describe to you just how important that connection is. And he's going to stay with the sort of the physiological picture. And he gets pretty graphic, pretty detailed. Um, and here's what he's going to say. 
you've got to see yourself in a corporate identity. In other words, you never, you never define your growth as just personal. It always has to be defined as how does it affect the body? How does my growth affect the body? That's essentially what we're saying. And now notice what Paul says. The body, what about the body, Paul? What is it you want us to know about the body? It's being supplied and held together. So that's his first step about your identity as the body. It receives certain resources from the head. And it's held together. It's attached. Bonded. There's a unity. It's like any body part. It's got to be somewhere on the body. The shoulder just can't be anywhere. And it can't be off. It's got to be connected. And it's got to be working for the whole structure. So it's got to be supplied. I mean, it's got to get blood. It's got to get what it needs. And it's got to be attached. Do you see that? This is, Paul, this is Paul trying to explain to you how connected you have to be to the body. You say, how connected to the body do I have to be? Well, how connected do you want your body parts connected? A little connected? I don't want anything a little connected. So, it's, it's sort of graphic. And I'll tell you, um, it actually is... Behind the scenes, if you think about the imagery on the other side of it, it's a sort of, it's a sort of gory image for anyone to... We've we got somebody who's not holding fast to the head. Listen, if you cut off a body part, you didn't just cut it off. If you cut off your finger, it's not just cut off from your hand, it's cut off from the, the head. It's not only not functional and not attached, it's not su- getting supplied by the head. So it's sort of a gory picture. It's the kind of picture Paul is suggesting. Anybody in here want a body with missing parts? Did you ever see the movie Saw? Any sort of Saw? You know, the first Saw, they got crazy. But the first Saw was a man in a dilemma. The whole movie. Am I going to cut off my foot or not? Now that would be a dilemma for anybody. This man in the entire movie, at the beginning of the movie, from to the, all the way to the end, this man has to make the decision, which is agonizing throughout the whole thing. Am I going to cut my own foot off so I can get out of here? Because the idea of cutting my foot off That's what Paul's trying to say. Wait, wait, wait a minute. You've disconnected yourself from the head? You've just dismembered yourself? It ought to be, as hard as it is, or would be, for you to cut your own foot off to survive, ought to be the way a person imagines himself not connected to the church. I just literally cut off a member of the body. It's pretty graphic, and he gets even more detailed because he goes, and I, let me, and Paul goes, oh, by the way, let me show you how things are supplied and held together. There's joints and there's ligaments. I'm talking about all the way down to, he's getting all inside there, tendons and everything, how things work. 
And he's really detailing for you, well, just how connected do you think you have to be? Would you like to be a shoulder without tendons? Would you like to be a shoulder or would you like to be a knee without ligaments? Would you like to, would you like to have uh, a shoulder without muscle? No, no, he's getting graphic about the connection. And you say, what is Paul trying to say by that? He's trying to say this. Your growth is not just about you. It's about the part that you play in the body. It's okay. I'm looking back there. Just a few things fell. It wasn't a person. Uh, So he's talking about this idea that uh, whatever Paul sees me doing, he sees me doing as part of another group. In other words, I'm never just building this muscle. I'm trying to serve the rest of the body with this joint and ligament. The reason my shoulder works is for the, for the benefit of the rest of the body, not just for my shoulder. If my shoulder exists just for my shoulder, I'm going to have a real problem. It's got to exist in relationship to everything else. So it's not just about me. It's the role that I play with others. This is so important. I cannot see my growth as solely about me, but about the part that I play in relationship to the other parts. Now, Paul goes on to say, and here's the key phrase, this body tightly put together grows. Uh Uh-oh, Paul's going to talk about a growth that's not just about one part of my body growing. He's talking about the whole body is growing. The whole body grows together. I never just look at my growth as my own growth. It's how is my growth affecting the growth of this body? You say, what kind of growth is it? It's the, a growth which comes from God. That means there's a kind of growth that comes from God that goes to the whole body, not just to any one individual. I know we're so used to defining our own spiritual growth. Are you growing? Are you doing good? Are you growing? How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But we don't define our growth in terms of its impact on the church. We don't see that there is a kind of growth that's got to come from the head to the whole body. Does anybody in here only want one part of their body to work well? Or when they say, am I healthy, I mean I'm healthy from head to toe. The whole thing. There's a... There's a There's a whole picture and not just a part. Now, so the growth is corporate. So I can't just think of growth in terms of myself. I have to think about it as the whole. So, And what that means is, what this picture is painting is, is that God uses my growth to help grow the rest of the church and the rest of the body. So he uses me to help you grow, 
and he uses you to help me grow. That dynamic is part of the body. That if you're missing it, then you've got a growth that's coming just to you and not to the rest of the body. That wouldn't be healthy. So it's, you're never just growing for growth's sake. Just to be able to walk around and say you're growing. Mm -mm. You're growing in relation to the body and the body needs to be growing as a result of your growth. So the church is where we work out God's goals for our growth. And part of what we have to do is stop defining what growth is and let God define it. Let God define it. Because self-growth leads to self-worship. That's what they were doing. They were inflated. I'm growing. I'm seeing things I've never seen. I'm hearing things I've never heard. Angels are fluttering around. It's great. That's, it ends up being just about you. Uh, um, so some people avoid church completely, and they're not even a part of this dynamic. Some people, though, say, well, I see church is important, so I attend one. I sort of sit in the back. If I stopped coming, nobody would even know it. Is that okay? Well, not really. Because I'll tell you what's happening there. You say, I come in, I pop in, and I'll tell you why I come in. Come in to get a little shot in the arm. You know, I need a little worship. You know, I need a little, need a little teaching. You know, help my life get moving a little better. I need to be motivated, you know, for the week. And I get out and I get moving and everything. And so what you've done is you've just used the church for your benefit, but you're not going to contribute to it in any other way. That's very much viewing the church like a health club, like your gym, where you go in there and really the only priority you have when you walk in there is you, your fitness, your weight loss, your strength. And you're not worried about anyone else's strength, weight loss, or anything else in that gym. You put your headphones in. You shut everybody out. You're there to get something for you, but have no desire to contribute to, to anyone else. That's treating the gym like a health club. And see, for G now your body can grow that way, but your spiritual body cannot. Because you have to exercise your body and muscles for the rest of the body for you to really grow. Until you're using what you've, what you've got, what your strength or your relationship with God, until you're using it for the body, it's just for you and you'll get self-inflated. That's what happens. You, you, just, you start dictating everything. Pretty soon, people who are, uh, it's just Jesus and them, Pretty soon, they just start coming up with weird stuff. They really come up with weird stuff. And one of the reasons you need the community is for somebody to tell you, that's, you know, that new idea you have is the dumbest thing we've ever heard. Somebody's got to tell you that, or you're going to be out there with Jesus doing really dumb stuff, and you're going to be pinning it on him. And so you get... It becomes about you. You see, you gotta be you gotta be sacrificial. 
Now, let me show you. I bet you can't even imagine. Don't look. Just keep looking at me and imagine for a second, if you can do this, what the next line in the next verse reads. Just don't look at it. Don't look at it. I know you want to. You can't help it. Just look at me. What do you think it says? We're not even going to look at the whole verse. All I wanted to do was look at the first line, and here's what it says. Is there any clearer way to say it's not about you? It's not about me. It's about he sacrificed for me, and now I sacrifice too. And unless my growth includes sacrifice for others in the body, I'm not living out what Christ has done for me cannot be about me. I've got to sacrifice for others like he did for me. And one of the ways you, that's how you grow and you do that within the body. Now, so, I only have about five minutes. I just wanted to say this to you now. So, just briefly, just very briefly. What, what does that mean for me? See, your interaction with the body allows you the ability to deal with a number of things uh, that being connected to a church versus being alone do. It's very similar to the difference between being single and being married. You know, which both of them are, by the way, because I don't, I don't want this to sound wrong, because you could be single in the kingdom of God and be Everything God wants you to be. You don't have to be married to be everything God wants you to be. Okay? Of course you can be single. Single in, in 1 Corinthians 7, and what Paul teaches is the single life is every bit as glorifying God as a married one. Uh, but, okay, the, you, you really have to connect to the body because you don't have anybody supervising you like the married person does. See, married people have supervisors, so you can't eat Cheetos off your shirt. You know, you just set them right in here and do this. If you're single, you can do that. You can eat Cheetos right here off your shirt, and I would if I wasn't married. Okay, because I'm going to get yelled at for about five different levels of issues on this right here. So single people get to do things that married people don't get to do. So there's part of being in a body where i got to deal with my selfishness, my pettiness, my divisiveness, my petty. Petty about this, petty about that. Pastor didn't get back to me in time. This didn't happen. That didn't happen. We treat the church like it's a service provider. You're connected to the church. You're supposed to be submitted to the church. It's not, a, it's not Starbucks. Sorry we didn't get your coffee to you on time. Sorry to make you go through the drive-thru and have to come in because you didn't get the exact latte that you wanted. Pastor didn't get back to you in 24 hours. Coffee wasn't that great. Music didn't go my way. Listen, if we tried to build a church around the thing that you wanted the most, everyone else would leave. 
can't do that. You've got to get over certain things, and part of being in a body helps you do that. It helps you get rid of your, rid of your pettiness, your divisiveness, that natural thing in you that wants to say, I'm different, I'm better, and do it my, all that stuff. Need a body to help you with that. Arrogance. You got to be a part of the body. There's a great little, you know, I read a book at the beginning of the year. I was at the end of last year. I really, I really liked it. It had issues. I think I've told you about it. it had issues with it, but, for the, but it said a few things about community that I thought were great, and here's one of them. It talked about sin. He, he described sin as being the state of being closed down, shut off, blocked, resisting the flow, which, of course, our text is saying that. There's a whole flow from the head to the body to the ligaments to the growth happening. And if you cut off that flow, if you sin, sin, we don't usually define sin as we've stepped away from the body. We define sin as just just the moral issues we choose in our life. Here, he would be saying, no, sin is worse than that. It's more than that. It's you cutting yourself off from the body, disconnecting yourself from it. And he says... Sin is always a a refusal of mutuality. You've just decided to do things your way. You could almost define sin that way. You've decided to do things your way, not God's way, not anybody else's way. And so you close down into separateness, he says. Whenever we refuse mutuality, he says, toward anything, whenever we won't allow our deep interconnectedness to guide us, whenever we're not attuned to both receiving and giving, we shut down, close off the flow of the Spirit through us. That's why you cannot possibly grow in the way God wants you to if you're not connected to a body. Now, you say, well, what do I do? What do I do? Because you might be sitting here and you go, well, there's a, there's a whole concept I've screwed up for a decade. You ever say that? You, you, you go, I think I've screwed that up for about, I don't know how long I've been operating under the impression it could be just Jesus and me. Well, let me tell you what you do when you're there, by the way. It happens to us all weekly. If you've got your Bible, if you've got your Bible open in the course of a week, you're going to find out you're screwing something up. All right? So you might be sitting here going, wow, I thought I was pretty good shape until I realized I'm not connected to the body the way I ought to be. Well, here's what you do. You say, okay, how do I fix it? Get over it and fix it. You just fix it. You say, what do I do? So you get connected. I would tell you this. There's plenty of churches for you to choose from if this isn't the one. But I'm going to tell you right now, you ought to walk into the doors of a church and choose it and be able to say to yourself, I could be a member here. Not I could attend here. It has good enough coffee, good enough singers, preachers decent enough, and it's close enough to my home that I don't have to drive too far. That's not your reason. You need to be able to walk into church and say, I could buy in here. I could become one of them. I could serve here. I could give back here. Not I could just receive here. This is a place where I'm going to plant my flag. So whatever church you want, whichever one you want to, and let me just tell you, all the churches around here is good ones. 
And whenever you walk in the doors, they're going to have a process for you to go from, hey, you just came in the door, we just met you, all the way to plant your flag. Every church is going to have that. Well, you, and they all look different. And it doesn't matter what the, what the path looks like, but you need to plant the flag somewhere. So whatever membership is for that church, go through the process. We have go classes. Go to the classes. Get through the classes because you want to get to the other side where you go, I believe what you believe. Here's what you want to be able to say when you walk into the church. I believe what you believe and I trust the leadership here. If you can't say those two things, take a hike. Because leadership's going to have to do things that not always you're going to agree with. And you're going to have to trust them. You trust the leadership, you believe in that doctrine, then walk yourself through whatever their process is and become a member and say, you can count on me here. Now I'm going to give you two other reasons over the next two weeks why you've got to get through that process and plant that flag because there's two other pieces to this. I'm giving you two other things. This is just the first one. So if you're part of Hillside and you say, I attend, but I just, you know, I take what I need and I get out of here as fast as I can so I don't see anyone. You have to change that. And it doesn't have to be here. And I'll tell you how easy it is. We have a place out in the community space called the Connect Area. We call it Connect. We even use the right terminology. You got to find a place to connect. If this isn't the church for you, that's fine. But you got to get one. And then you got to get in there. Now I'm going to show you next week. What I'm going to show you over the next two weeks is what happens when you plant that flag. And why they're significant. You can't do without them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We are challenged. We are challenged by it. It never, ever ceases to challenge us. And Father, if we have failed, and all of us have, all of us have dropped the ball here some way, shape, or form. God, forgive us and help us, help us to get ourselves aligned with the head and the body properly. And then, Lord, we'll trust you to show us what growth looks like, what spirituality looks like, what life in the body looks like. We're trusting you for that. We want to grow the way you say we should grow. We want to be connected the way you say we should be connected. And so once again, we're dying to ourself, to ourselves. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice. We gladly give ourselves back to you. In Jesus' name, amen.